Welcome to the Young Pro Podcast, where our goal is to better equip people working with young adults to grow God's kingdom. Today, oftentimes the hardest thing to do is to decide what to do. Today, me and Mike look to add clarity to and demystify the process of knowing where to start. I'm your host, Travis Wiesenberg, and this is the Young Pro Podcast. Welcome back to the Young Pro Podcast. Today, me and Mike are talking about where to start. This is a question that, that most people have to answer at some time in the life of their outreach. And first question, thinking about who is this podcast really for? And this podcast is really for those people who are listening right now who have a group of young professionals who maybe are doing some sort of social hangout but haven't quite yet decided, all right, what are we going to do as a young professional outreach? What activity, event, environment, program are we going to put on in the beginning? So if that's you, this podcast is especially for you, uh, but also anybody who is out there in the young professional outreach who maybe has uh, an outreach that's already been happening, but wants to figure out from a more strategic standpoint, what are we going to do collectively? So Mike, I guess first first question is, where, where, where do you start? <laughs> Good question. Where do you start? Oh, I think you have to start with intentionality. You have to start with the purpose in mind. I'm going to throw a lot of P words at you here as oh, we, great. we do this interview today. You have to start with the purpose of actually doing young professionals outreach with the purpose of evangelizing, bringing them to know the Lord, bringing them through the lock system that we've described so far, which brings them to initial faith and baptism in the Spirit and real discipleship. So you start off saying, that's what we want to do. And if you don't want to do that, it's kind of like, so where are you trying to go? Well, I don't know. Well, until you know, it doesn't make much sense to go anywhere. Hmm. That's where you want to go? You're in your list of the right podcast. Okay, great. Well, I think most people listening to this would say, yes, that is my full intention. And I know a lot of people have that full intention, but, you know, they still don't start. What's what's the thing that's mainly yeah, holding them yeah, back? Yeah, 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 exactly. How come you don't get off the, the, yeah, the, the starting spot? Yep. Um, and I think a lot of the time, it's just simply the fear of failure. If I try something and it doesn't work. What if we do this and we fail? What if nobody comes? What if, et cetera, et cetera? And I go, you know, fear of failure, don't let fear of failure run your life. Hmm. But it runs a lot of people's lives today. We are just filled in a world that's afraid of everything. And we have our own fears. Don't be afraid of failing. Go out there, try. If you fail, you fail. You're only going to get to success by failing. Believe me, I've, <laughs> I've got a lot of failure I've already done. But it gets you to the place where you understand stuff and then you succeed. Hmm. So. Yeah, I don't think we've talked to uh, anybody who started Young Professional Outreach who, who the first thing that they did was uh, successful and then they never changed anything. That's that's part of what we're doing and the reason behind this podcast. So I guess after people are over the fear, fear of failure, what what is the first resource they should pursue? Okay, if this is one person listening to this podcast, I'd ask, who are the people you're going to do it with? Hmm. Your second P, people. 
the people you need on your team. If it's a set of you thinking, hey, we should go here, we're listening to this podcast and we're going to try to get somewhere, uh, you're still dealing with what's that core team? What is the set of people who are saying we want to do this? Uh, And it might be four people, might be 10 people. Uh, You have to actually look at that and say, what are we starting with? Uh, And who wants to be in on this? Who wants to say, yes, I want to I want to I want to go there. Uh, that set of people have to be able to say, yes, let, let, let's go there. I think one of the big issues that they may run into is, are we all on the same page? This is the problem starting with 20 people mm-hmm. instead of four people. Four people are a lot easier to get to agree this is what we should do than 20 people. But if you've got 20 people, start with your 20 people. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, so first is the, the, the kind of core team that you have, the people that are have all share the same purpose and intention. What's what's the next resource they, they should have? I think the next step is actually prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get your little team together. One of the, what's the first thing you should be doing? You should be praying and saying, Lord, do you want us to do this? Don't you want to do us, us to do this? What, uh, what steps should we take? How do you want to inform us? We want to put this in, in God's hands. Because mm-hmm. if God's not behind it, you're going to be wasting your time. Right. Um, so I would I would spend time praying and just asking for God's grace, revelation, uh, etc. That's great. Yeah, and I'm sure. Yeah, prayer, prayer is one of those things that you you do it before, you do it during, you do it after. Absolutely. As a yeah, you got to have prayers in your core team meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing, I guess what what's what's the next resources? You got people. You got prayer. Yep. Uh, yes, I think your next set is come back to a different set of people, which is who's the population? Who's who's your target population? Who are you going after? Hmm. I mean, now obviously we've refined it so far to say young professionals. Right. You're not going after as good as it is to evangelize your grandmother. That's not who you're going to invite to the young <laughs> professionals meeting. Your, your population will be young professionals. I think the key question is uh, getting the people that are on your team to make just simply come up with a list. Hmm. Who do you have that you could put their names on a list, that you could contact, that you could talk to, that you could invite to something, possibly? Just make a big list of anybody you think you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to that's gonna help you inform what you're going to be trying to do. You could start with who you want to be your population, and I can give you a reason why you might want to do that. So if one of the key things that you've got is you've got four guys who are saying we should be doing something for our friends on the softball team hmm. and at work, you yeah. go, right, okay, well, you're going to be trying to do something for men or you're trying to do something for women or you're trying to do something for a mixed population. But that still comes back to who do you have? Who, who's the possible people that could be on your list of names? I would go on to another key failure problem right here hmm. if i may <laughs> yeah please please Let's just destroy all of them. yeah okay uh and that is once you've made your list then you have the question of are you going to be ready to act on it this comes back <laughs> to the fear the lack of initiative the the that kind of the a lot of things fail just simply because you don't actually then do it yeah you got to get into to doing it so so you make your list who is it that you could possibly then uh work with and what, so what keeps people from inviting people usually? What's that fear that they have their list, but they just don't reach out? Well, that's an interesting one, because I think a lot of the time, what people are afraid of is looking bad, mm-hmm. 
they, no one came, um, or that people will reject me, mm-hmm. and I don't want to risk rejection. You go, well, figure out a better way to do an invite. You know? You're not going up to them with a baseball bat and saying, you will come or I'm going to hit you over the head. <laughs> You're asking people uh, to come to something that you actually have some enthusiasm uh, mm-hmm. for. That will be the way that you invite. Now, that also means something about your, your, your next kind of decision that you have to do. What is it you're going to invite them to? But I think the, the, the reason that people don't uh, invite is they're just afraid to invite people. They're, in, they're oftentimes afraid to, uh, to engage people in something that people might not like. Christians right. can get very much afraid in the modern world, especially, of um, I am I am doing something that people may not respond to well. My experience of that is, if you're gracious, people actually do respond to your graciousness mm-hmm. fine. If yeah. you're obnoxious, guess what? <laughs> no matter what you're obnoxious about, you're obnoxious. Right. right. So. Yeah. We we definitely get weird about that. That's one right. of the things as Christian people right now we're we're just kind of weird about is it's it's not. You're just inviting someone to something that you have that's going on that's good in your life mm-hmm. and you want to share with them. And if they say no, that's okay. Most of the time, they just, it's because they're busy or they can't come. And and a, a real witness starts to form is like, oh, this person's actually invited me four times and I've been busy every time, but they haven't. They keep inviting me. That That's so many people's testimonies of how they eventually come to just different outreach stuff is that someone they've stiff-armed somebody for you know, a year, two years, then finally they're like, you know what, I think this person just has something in their life and they've constantly, even though I pushed them away, invited me in a loving, not in a uncomfortable way, but in a gracious way, as you were saying. And so I think we just have to push past those things. Yeah, I think the, the invite uh, question oftentimes is, am I comfortable in inviting them to the thing that I'm inviting them to? Mm. So if I'm not comfortable with it, I won't do it. Right. Now, if you ask me, am I comfortable inviting a friend of mine to come over, have a pizza, drink a beer, and watch a baseball game? I go, yeah, no problem. Right. If you ask me, am I comfortable walking down the street, finding the best looking set of three guys I can find, and invite them to come to a Life in the Spirit seminar and say, and if you come, what will probably end up happening is you'll be in a men's group and you'll join my community. <laughs> if that's the invite, I'm not making it. Right. I'm sorry, right. I'm not making it. That invite just doesn't work. So I think a lot of the time the, the, the invitation has to be to something that you think I could invite this set of people to. And that, again, brings it right back to your list. Right. So some of the people on your list, you go, I could invite them to this kind of a thing, but I couldn't invite them to this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's like, am I inviting a bunch of second graders over for lunch or am I inviting the uh, Detroit Tigers over for lunch? What I serve is going to be very different depending on who I'm inviting. Right. And so you have to say, okay, what are we inviting them to? What are we going to be? Who's the audience? What is it that's going to make them say, yeah, I want to come? And you got second graders, you go hot dogs and potato chips, you're good. Don't think that works with the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not. <laughs> so it's so just to get, make sure I'm, I'm getting this right, it's after you have this list and your your whole team, your, your team of, mm-hmm. let's take London, they had four people who who wanted to do outreach, as we heard last week. And they, if they, those four people then brought their list of, okay, okay, these are the people we have in our lives. You're saying then look for commonalities, look for patterns of, okay, are these, so to speak, Detroit Tigers or are these, so to speak, second graders? Mm-hmm. If you have a group of people who 
you don't have that strong of a relationship that you can invite them to a Life in the Spirit seminar or maybe they're not at that point in their walk, then that starts to form a, a different question in your mind is, is what do you provide? Yes, exactly. And I think it comes back to one of our earlier podcasts about are you going to be inviting them to an environment that is mainly relationship building, winning, because the key thing here is we need more relationship with these folks. We need to have them come into those kinds of relationships so that they would say, I would come to whatever is the next step. Mm-hmm. Or are they a bunch of people that you go, there? this is a set of people that we could invite to a Life in the Spirit seminar. You know, with Ann Arbor, when they had this Life in the Spirit seminar and they had all these people coming to it, you go, so did they start in the wrong place? No, they started in a fine place for that group of people. Mm-hmm. That didn't bring a bunch of people who had no interest in Christianity. Hmm. They didn't sign up to come to a Life in the Spirit seminar. Of course they didn't. So you have to then make this decision once you've got your list of who's going to be on our invite list. Then you've got to ask, what would they come to? What is it that we're going to be putting on for them? Are we putting on a C-level kind of um, easy for anybody to come to event? Are we putting on a steak night or a Bible study? Are we just inviting people to come to an Alpha Course and a Life of Spirit seminar? That will get that will become an informed decision. So when you're just starting, you go, you got to start with that audience in mind. And what would that audience respond to? And start with, with the audience that you have, just like you started with the people that you have. Right. Yes. If you're if you're listening to this right now and trying to answer this question, I hope that you're you're thinking about the people in your life and you're thinking about, okay, what do they want? If you're asking those questions, you you have fifty percent of the equation right there, and then you go back to the first part of the equation, it's can we provide that? Do we have the people that can put on what these people need? If the answer is yes, you're really close to actually starting something. And maybe the, the only hurdle left is just the fear of failure. Uh, I wanted to touch on one thing that I think is something that that is brought up now is this kind of thought of, we think a lot oftentimes back to the charismatic renewal where people were just coming in in droves to, to prayer meetings. Why, why, why does that not always work? Why can't we just throw a Life in the Spirit seminar out to be the first thing for, for the whole lock diagram? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. I do think that the, the world has changed some. I do think it's... Uh, I was asked this question recently. People said, boy, the Life and Spirit seminars were really effective at evangelizing uh, people. They were, but they're effective at evangelizing a set of people who are right ready to be evangelized. Mm-hmm. They were really at least at lock two. You know, these were church-going people. Many of them were top-end or high-end churchgoers who were coming to a Life and the Spirit seminar. Some were just nominal, curious, whatever. Now, again, early, late 60s, early 70s, oh, this is weird, let's go. Yeah. You know, that was, that was <laughs> right. the thing. You right. just said people would come to anything that was crazy because they just were, well, let's just throw off the shackles of the 50s and everything before us and let's just do whatever we want to do. And this was new, exciting, different, weird, and wonderful. Today's population is a lot more cautious. Hmm. Kids have either grown up with parents who've been very cautious about what they get exposed to, when they get exposed to, the helicopter mom and dad kind of thing, or else they've grown up in the broken environments Hmm. where they've been destroyed and injured, uh, harmed by not being people around them, not actually playing by the rules, being cautious, doing the right things. So they've then become 
more cautious and are less likely to say, yeah, I'll do something that I have no idea what it's going to lead to. Hmm. I think we're dealing with a, with, a, with a society that is more cautious about doing things where they don't know where it's going to lead. I think it also has another effect when we then bring people through the various stages in, in working with people um, is that, that people need, do need, have a higher need to, to know what is this going to be about and oftentimes we don't, well, well, it'll be about whatever you want it to be about, kind of reality of the modern world. And you just go, this is not giving people the answers that they need. I think we need to actually be fairly straightforward and upfront in a way that is hard and unpopular or not in the, you know, people don't feel that hmm. today. They don't want to do that because, again, that seems like you're pushing me somewhere. Right. And you go, no, I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. Be honest, be upfront, be straightforward. Hmm. Interesting. So just to summarize back to, to why it's a little bit different, why is is actually that what happened mainly in the charismatic renewal is you're dealing with lock two, lock three people, kind of like how uh, David Williamson did in Grand Rapids, where yes. they had what he called low-hanging fruit, where he had mm-hmm. people who are nominal Christians or really mm-hmm. curious Christians or even high-end Christians that hadn't been you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit and had an experience charismatic worship. So it was an easy drawing and we're, we're also, so if that's your situation, maybe that is the, the go-to, but if it's not, you might have to do some work to even get someone to the point to actually consider going to anything Christian in general. And that mm-hmm. goes back to, you have to build more relationships. Yep. I think there's another piece of it as well is if you break it down and you say of the 20 people can let's jump five years ahead okay and you say of the 20 people who joined our community this year what were we doing with them five years ago and you go oh actually quite different things they were not all in exactly the same spot Uh, and you look at anyone's personal testimony and you realize yes it's continuously delivering the right next thing when they're ready to receive it I look at people who come to their first prayer meeting and they think, okay, this is weird, I'm not coming back. But then they have the right person following them up. Well, let's talk about that, et cetera, et cetera. And then they come, and it's always this personal, relational, pastoral, evangelistic process that we're going through. And it always has to be oriented towards the individual person because that's, at the end of the day, it's going to be individuals who give their lives to the Lord. It's not going to be a mass of turtles or, you know, uh, uh, of, of people where you just go, okay, one size fits all, this is it. Uh, we may be delivering something like that in the uh, fifth seminar in the Life in the Spirit seminar where we ask people to give their lives to the Lord and pray with them. Mm-hmm. But we've brought the people to the place where they're ready to do something like that. And the more that you have that pastoral insight into every individual person and say that's what we're trying to bring them through and to uh, that's better so again look back and say yes you're following somebody and on your who to invite list you just go yeah Bill is different than Sam hmm. yep that's right but Bill and Sam are in a similar place so we can do something that both of them would like but somebody's got to have eyes on Sam and somebody's got to have eyes on Bill Right, which goes back to the people who are on your team, who has the yes. abilities and, and time and resources to actually follow up with people yeah. and, and help them pastorally through whatever you're putting on, whether it's a Taco Tuesday night for a couple months until maybe you lead them into a Bible study or it's you're jumping right into a Life and Spirit seminar. If you don't have follow-up for any of it, most likely it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. No, you got to have a set of people who have at least a good level of excitement about evangelizing. 
Mm. Because this is what you're doing. You've got to have people who have hearts to see people win the best thing that they could ever win in their lives, which mm. is eternal life. And if you have people around your team who say, yep, I want to put time into that, you're going to see stuff happen. Hmm. So last question, what what did you like about how you know Grand Rapids, London, and Ann Arbor started? Yeah, good good stuff. I actually think we talked about this stuff <laughs> in what we just what we discussed. I think they got over their fear of failure. Mm-hmm. They got a group of people together to do something. Mm-hmm. They figured out who they're going to invite. They figured out what they're going to invite them to. They started where they were with the audience that they had and went after them in a good way. And then they did the follow-up on them. I actually think that in each case, you can say, yeah, that's more or less what they did. And they started in very different places, did different things. But it was exactly those set of things, figuring out who are we going after, praying about what to do, figuring out what to do, inviting people to it, following them up with uh, you know their, their relationship time and effort. And I think that's what leads to success. So hmm. we could go through Grand Rapids, Ann Arbor, and uh, London, but I think all of them did basically what we just talked about. There you have it. Grand Rapids, London, Ann Arbor, and whoever is listening right now, all have vastly different circumstances, but we just talked about some of the key commonalities that if you do these things, it's, it's, you're going to go in the right direction. You're going to be able to start and you're going to be able to see where you're headed. And then you can analyze because you've already taken the first step and you've probably had some sort of success. Now you can look back on what to tweak and how to move forward as all three of those communities have done and continue to do. So Mike, thank you for your time. And we hope that this will provide some of you listening with the tools and resources to start.